0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Garage Beers! What does everybody want?
0: This week on
2: Garage Beers. We may still be living in a world with no sports, but this week, the guys get into sports entertainment as they are joined in the garage by legendary WWE wrestler and current owner of OVW, Al Snow. Al cracks open a garage beer and discusses his rise in the professional wrestling world after growing up in Lima, Ohio. We talk about his journey in the independence, his time in ECW, WWF, and now in OVW. And of course, we discuss head. All that, plus our Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull up a folding chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome everybody to episode seven of the garage beers podcast with you. As always, I am Michael Keefe over here on the West side of Cleveland. Again, it's too cold for me to be in the garage, but the person, you know, the dedication, uh, is never ending. You know, he's in the garage. My co-host over on the East side of Cleveland, Chad Meyer, what's going on, Chad?
3: Nothing, man. It's a, uh, Cool, crisp night here in the garage, but uh, you know uh, I got my beer in hand. I'm ready to get warm and uh, ready to get it loose with the, our special guest today.
2: And your dedication is is there. I think I think next week. I'm looking at the forecast, Chad, and I, I'm thinking next week is going to be my first week in the garage. So, oh, 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 baby, banner week, garage beers fans, <laughs> banner week. I'll be in the garage and also banner week. I will be joined in the garage, uh, well, maybe all of us, but for sure I will be joined in the garage by our buddy down in Nashville with us, as always, Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe?
4: What's up? Yeah, I uh, will hopefully uh, be up in Cleveland recording next week, which is super exciting. Um, I'll make sure that I start my dinner uh, promptly before so we don't have to delay recording like we did today. I, uh, I, I took about <laughs> an extra 30 minutes to hop on today as making bacon and this could be a debate topic, uh, bacon in the oven on wax paper versus Wait. cast iron.
3: Wait a second. So were you, you, first got of all, a, you sent a text saying you were got ambitious. Yes, with Cooking. Yes. Bacon. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you should It was, meal. It was
2: like to be bacon fair. and Mac and cheese. I, well, I it knew I was meal. in a
4: time crunch, so I made some uh, some frozen shapes, <laughs> mac and cheese, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this would be so good with bacon, and the bacon took like an extra 20 minutes. So. He
2: sends yeah. us this text message, because he's late. He's like, oh, I got over-ambitious with cooking, and I'm thinking, oh, Joe made like a dinner yeah. tonight. Joe like cooked it up. He Gordon ramsay this thing. Nope. Bacon and mac and
3: cheese. <laughs> oh, good. Well, oh, my God. You know what? You know what my mother-in-law? does every holiday season what you will bake bacon in in the oven right yeah but you throw brown sugar on it and make it like candied oh (sighs)
4: oh oh my goodness
3: listen listen i've noticed I've, i've i would be lying if i said i have not searched for devices on amazon to where like you wake up in the morning and it just automatically like comes out like like, there's like a dispenser that comes like,
2: like you can set a coffee like yeah, a coffee like, maker
3: oh yeah just rolls bacon bacon
2: <laughs> uh well
3: it's, gonna be, it's amazing
2: actually i uh heard that joey's starting a new uh instagram uh, account where he's gonna really just kind of explore his culinary abilities his gifts uh, I heard next week he's doing Tyson's chicken nuggets. Yeah. Uh, so oh. yeah, I mean, you're going to want to follow that. <laughs> you don't want to miss soup week.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh
2: God. And, and now we're going to bring in our special guest, uh, joining us in the garage this week. Uh, just a legend. Uh, my, my younger self just exploded when he agreed to come on with us. Uh, uh, somebody that that I watched on a weekly basis for years and years and years and one of the most entertaining people in the history of, uh, of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. Uh, we're going to bring in Al Snow, uh, the legendary Al Snow from, well, pretty much every wrestling promotion that you can think Woo! of, but the current owner of... Uh, of OVW, uh, which we're going to get into that because that's a great story. But, Al Snow, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm blushing uh, from my feet up through every part of my loins and, and into my head. So, from that introduction. So, thank you. You know what? I got his loins.
2: As long as that, you know what? I'm good. You guys can talk for the yeah. rest of the time. And I made his loins blush. I didn't, I've never done they're, that to anybody before. So. They're, they're
1: <laughs> completely flush
2: with blood. So... <laughs> boom uh so what we start with we're gonna get in al we're gonna get into a little bit about your life your career what you got going on now with ovw because again that's a great story uh, but before we do that we always start off with our garage beers of the week and got uh, we've got some we've got some good ones we're we always let our special guest when our special guests bring one up brings one on we let our yeah. special guests go first so what are you drinking yeah. down there in louisville in
1: honor of Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns,
2: oh yes, okay,
1: I have a Bud Light uh, because God bless Bud Light and their support of the Cleveland Browns with the refrigerators all around town. Uh, we know <laughs> as Ohioans, we know you cannot have a sports team unless it just literally completely sucks ass for (laughs) years to the point of when it goes and it wins grown men fall down on whatever field is being played on or whatever (laughs) ice arena and they weep openly in front of their wives that you know that it's won yeah listen
3: i hugged so many strangers and, and cried over so many strangers shoulders (laughs) shoulders <laughs> when the calves won i i, I can't even tell you uh, yeah I, I was working i, I was work, i was working in the arena that night and i was walking out and i was going, i love you i love you
2: <laughs> i was on a cruise ship in the middle of the caribbean sea and people were looking at me like what's wrong with this guy and I, there i was just breaking down on my wife's shoulders uh, but you know what no regrets so for the Not second time, it, it,
1: you earned it. You earned it because you're an Ohio fan. That's why you earned it. Okay, never be shamed. Never be shamed yeah, by that's when right. they win. So screw the rest of society, that's society right. because they don't understand. <laughs> they don't get the cross that we bear. Screw society.
2: Love Ohio. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's 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 it. a t-shirt. That's yeah. a t-shirt.
1: If, he, if you ever need an affirmation of that on 75 as you drive past, remember Touchdown Jesus right there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You could there spell you go. Out. You can get your guys in the car, jump out, spell Ohio <laughs> right out there. And it got it's struck perfect. by lightning. It got struck by lightning. Oh, I remember. Not. I heard
2: that. Yeah. They, they built a new one. New. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Well, for the second time in our – in our brief history we've now have two bud light garage beers of the week both dedicated to the brown one browns one by else no one by former brown felix right so you're in good company al so when do i drink this
1: right no, now crack it on open
2: all right all there right. It. It, okay guys cheers well you don't have to chug it it's just, we're just it's oh. for you to enjoy <laughs> or chug it you do whatever you want far be it for me to tell you what to do yeah uh so, I'll go next on the garage beers because I feel like I always go last, and I don't want to do that. So I've got a classic with me, but it's only—I can only drink one of these uh, tonight. Uh, I have well, it's Friday. I can drink as many as I want, I guess. I was going to uh, say, uh, you go out have, with
1: your wife? What is going on?
2: I'm coming. No, God, no. We can't <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> I don't leave this house. <laughs> uh, nobody does. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have got one of the classic IPAs uh, of all time. It's a sixteen and a half percent beer uh it is from Delaware it is from Dogfish Head and it is the 120 minute IPA uh and it is an absolute monster I like the way you're swinging I, I I appreciate what you're doing I do that's what we do I'm only going to have one though because if we get to the end of the interview and I have more than one that you're not going to understand what I'm saying I'm going to sound like Chad to start this so <laughs> we don't want that
1: and Chad sounds like <laughs>
2: Peter Frampton from staying alive <laughs> From Crampton yeah. Live. <laughs> Frampton
3: Comes Alive. I love it. Yeah. yeah.
2: All right. Well, let's see what we got. Chad, what's your Garage Beer of the Week?
3: Well, this is um, basically what I had left in my fridge uh, until tomorrow when I go to the grocery store. Uh, it is from Platform Brewery. It is the Speed Merchant White India Pale Ale. Um, you now, Al, uh, it, on... Shows before this, uh, a show before this, an IPA was our featured beer of the week, and I hate IPAs. I, I, they are the worst types of beer, in in my opinion. In my opinion, they're the worst types of beer out there. But uh, I, you know, I, for this week, it, for the sake of having the garage beers of the week, I'm I'm going to get through this. This is actually one. This isn't too bad. It, it, it's more citrusy than it is piney, but it's it's good. I like
1: it. I- I appreciate your sacrifice. Thank you. Yeah, right. Isn't
3: he
2: he's such a, he's he's such a martyr?
3: Oh, well, yeah, since I'm the only one in the garage. Okay. At, oh. you, know, <laughs> you said we'll welcome Al into the garage. Well, we'll just welcome Al into my garage since I'm the only one here. That's right. Thank We're all you. just
2: talking in Chad's garage. I like
1: it. Yeah. Thank you, Chad.
2: Yeah. And down in Nashville, Joey, what do you have for your garage beer of the week this week?
4: I have um, Nashville, again, a uh, Fat Bottom Brewing, uh, their Ida Golden Ale. It's a very, like, crisp uh, summer ale. Um, I would imagine myself um, at Jacobs Field drinking this, like, if I was like, oh, man, I don't want another Miller Lite. I want <laughs> something with, like, a little, like, oh, like a little, uh, I don't know, like a little, little extra oomph. Uh, yep. This is it. Can we talk about your dedication?
2: Can we talk for a second about your dedication to Garage Beers before we move on?
4: Oh, yeah, we can talk about the dedication. I'm actually not supposed to have gluten at all. Uh, And I save it (laughs) all for this week, including the mac and cheese. That's why I had mac and cheese tonight. Uh, I'd have one day a week where I have gluten uh, because if I have gluten, I get like spasms uh, in my insides as I eat it. Um, So I have medicine that fixes it. But... uh, you know, it's all for the podcast, and I miss beer because I haven't had beer in like two years. So, uh, this is my one chance to kind of dive back into the scene. That's pure dedication.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit of life with Al Snow. Uh, now that we've done our garage beers of the week, and cheers <laughs> to you guys. Uh, so again, uh, born in Lima. Uh, yeah. I love I love your philosophy that you're the the most famous current living person from Lima, Ohio.
1: I am. Uh, I, you know, Wapakoneta gets still has me beat. Uh, Wapakoneta is just south of Lima, maybe. maybe right? uh, If Lima was big enough to have a suburb, Wapakoneta would be a suburb. Um, and, uh, and you know, Neil Armstrong was born and raised in Wapakoneta. The first That's- man on the moon, I think maybe, I'm going to go out on a limb, maybe a little bit more famous than me, uh, possibly, I don't know. Probably got bigger balls than me. I'm going to go on that stretch too, um, but I can say con- confidently that in a fight, I could beat Phil Stiller and Hugh Downs. I think physically, so
2: both Lima, both Lima residents. So definitely both. the toughest guy from Lima,
3: especially and, and now.
1: You know. That now, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I could. Uh, uh, I'm sure. Sh- Sure, because since they've passed away i i know confidently i could definitely beat them but
2: <laughs> so so al you kind of they were still alive sorry. it might be a question but you know i don't know i don't you could take a chair shot we know that <laughs> i know but you know
1: you never fight you never fight you never fight a girl unless it's in public and then That's that fair. way security will pull her off you
3: Listen, so. you never know. Hugh Downs might have brought Barbara Walters with him, and then you'd be in the whole world of shit.
1: The last thing I need is Hugh Downs throwing hands on me and literally leaving <laughs> me in the door. That's that's the last thing I need.
2: I'm Hugh <laughs> Downs, he just stands over you. I'm he Hugh just Downs stands over
1: me doing the Muhammad Ali pose. I'm Hugh Downs' bitch. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Now, hey,
3: now not uh, not good for the career. Now, Al, I've been. To A- up until probably six years ago, I never thought life existed in Ohio past Toledo and Bowling Green. I was like, I would get to Toledo and Bowling Green, and, I, I to and, Bowling Green, and I'd be right. like, okay, Indiana is almost right there. Oh, but yeah. then six years ago, one of my best friends in college got married in Wapakoneta, a.k.a. Wapak, as the, right. as the Wapunk. locals Wapunk. Would, would, would call it. Yeah. Yeah. Wapak and um, home of the home of we, the Neil Armstrong had Space had Museum. His rehearsal, right, right. Well, hey, listen, you're going to be the first one with a statue before him, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but no, I
1: um, I've contributed but I so much the... more to society, so you know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Our um, absolutely, we actually had the rehearsal dinner to in the Lima Elks Lodge. Oh, so God, that that is know. my full experience. <laughs> that is my full experience with Lima, Ohio, so far up to this point. What was life like growing up in Lima? I, you know,
1: growing up in Lima was was great. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, it wasn't. It's not a big, it's not a big town. You know what I mean. It's not a big city. Um, it, uh, you know. Um, We got the same weather you guys got in Cleveland. We just got it before you got it because it came across from from Chicago and it it swung up and it went up into Cleveland. Um, You know, growing up there, as far as you know, I tell people all the time, like uh, if you were a fan of of professional sports, like if you lived in Lima, Ohio, if you were a baseball fan, you were either a White Sox, Cubs, Tigers, Reds, <laughs> Indians, or Pirates fan. If you were a football fan, you were either a Lions, Bears, Bengals, Browns, Steelers fan. If Jeez. you were, uh, if you were basketball, you were you know the Pistons, the Cavs. You know what I mean? And you just you went around right. the horn, Bulls. Um, you know it just that was the way it was um, because you were kind of like you got even before cable television you were able to get all of those different sports teams you know hockey let's right. be honest I mean back in the day everybody was a t- Detroit Red Wings as right. far as hockey I mean you were you were a Red Wings fan Um, that was just the way it went Um, but you know growing up I mean it was a, it was a it was a small. It was in a big city. I mean, you, it took ten minutes to get anywhere um, in the town, <laughs> and uh, and was was quite as far as development. Um, it was quite odd because you know we 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 were right on I seventy five, and any right where I since I've been wrestling, um, traveling, any city that's on a major thoroughfare like I seventy five all of the development normally happens out there on the highway and around the highway. In Lyme, Ohio, for decades, the exact opposite, the entire West side of the town was completely ultra developed and the East side of town was completely barren near the highway made no sense, but (laughs) (laughs) just no sense at all. You know,
2: yeah, they're they're trying to, trying to get people fired up to come see uh, to come see Lima apparently, or they were trying to hide.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm not I'm
1: not quite sure. There are a lot of reasons to yeah. hide there um, as as time has gone by, but uh, you know it was a great place to grow up, and and uh, you know I was very uh, very fortunate to be a you know be a part of it. So,
2: um, so you know, um, so you ultimately turned into an athlete, but were you an athlete growing up?
1: Um. I think that I was athletic. Um, I was not very good at organized or team type of sports, per se. Um, I was a little <laughs> bit more of an individual. Um, sure. But, um, you know, I, I, played, I played football for North Junior High in Lyme, Ohio. And uh, <laughs> I guarded – I was a guard and a tackle. I guarded the water can, and I tackled anybody that came near it
2: for the entire game. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> I love so, it. That was about my athletic prowess, too. So that's much. awesome. Yeah. I can relate.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it was not, you know, I didn't have a stellar uh, junior or ath- or high school athletic career by any stretch of the imagination. No,
2: <laughs> no. So, so when does the wrestling love happen? Is that like, were you a wrestling fan early on or, or did that develop?
1: I, I was early on and then and i'm sure you guys are probably old enough you well maybe not i don't know um we had in ohio and um uh, michigan we had um big time wrestling that was prevalent for uh years um and then it kind of faded out in the mid 70s i'd say mid, early to mid 70s and then uh about 76, this is dating me, um, was the advent <laughs> of cable television, which <laughs> consisted of you got 13 channels instead of one where I live. Yes. Um, and uh, WTBS was one of those channels. And that was around. I was around 14 years old, I think, and the and then Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, came on the air, and that was it. I was I made the decision right then and there. Wow, that's it. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So,
2: oh, that's amazing. So, so obviously, we're going to kind of just quickly go through. But I like the story of your early, kind of your real early story uh, in the early 80s in uh what midwest championship wrestling uh yeah. and i and i like how you I, i'm just interested to hear so it was uh jim lancaster right that was yeah. your trainer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you ask him to be your trainer like how that conversation oh, yeah. how does that come into yeah. a camp no so no no do no, you no, have no. to ask him like will you
1: train me oh yeah 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 but you have to understand back during that time okay it wasn't it wasn't like it is now where there's a proliferation of of access to within the uh, world of professional wrestling it was very closed very secular i sure. i tell people all this i tell people all the time i i've said this a hundred times it was easier to be a made man in the mafia than it was to become a professional wrestler it really <laughs> was it was so closed so tight knit and Um, you know, I met Jim, uh, at a McDonald's on Cable Road in Lima, Ohio, and, uh, Amazing. Had had called him, met him, and he just, you know, blew me off and tried to shift me off to somebody else. And, uh, I went down, did a tryout for Ole and Gene Anderson in in North Carolina a couple months later, and basically got ran to death and, and beat up and, (laughs) and, Just broke my nose and I, it was a mess, yeah. and uh, had bite marks on my back. And then um, came back. He, he reached out, "Hey, how did it go?" And I was fortunate because at the time he was trying to he was trying to go into semi retirement. He had been wrestling for probably fifteen years at that point and had just had a daughter. Didn't want to be on the road full time and wanted to start to promote his own operation. And um, he was stood up by a couple of wrestlers. So he wanted his own group of people that he could control um, and count on. And so that was what motivated him to be willing to kind of train me. And the reason that guys were so reticent to train people was because they were held accountable for everyone that they brought in to the wrestling business so if you were to bring somebody in and they were to do something that reflected poorly on you it would affect the way you made a living so they weren't too keen on doing that it was very difficult to to get somebody to do it got it so
3: so you so you mentioned that it wasn't readily accessible. Uh, so, I mean, h- how did you go about finding it? Was it just a matter of, yeah, you looked up, you know, you looked up in the white pages for, you know, <laughs> yes, uh, wrestling actually, I out camps or like, how, yes. how did you? Oh, it's amazing. Wow. Hey, <laughs> that worked. So
1: I went at 14, at 14, 14. So we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have Google. Yep. We didn't have anything. So what I had, was I had, remember the old wrestling magazines that were sold at the local drugstores and all of that? Yes. Okay. So what they would do is they would list the promotions and they would list the cities that they were located in. Like Jim Crockett Promotions was in North Carolina, was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Got it. AWA's office was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I would literally, at 14, I would walk to the library in Lima, Ohio, I would grab a phone book. They had phone books for all the major cities. So I'd grab a phone book for Charlotte, North Carolina. I'd grab one for Washington, D.C. I'd grab one for (laughs) Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'd go through and I would find the phone number for the main office for the promotion in those places that I saw in the magazine. Then I would call once a month, I would call, and I'd say, hey, this is blah, 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 blah. Hey, would you be willing to train me? They'd just hang up on me. You know what I mean? They'd, or they'd right, argue right. <laughs> with me. And then it got, got to the point where they'd start recognizing me because I did it for years. I did it for three years. Oh my where gosh. I would literally call them every month. Every, it was the same time, every week, the same time, first of the month, I would call them and they would, and then it got to the point it was like, hey, Al, listen, kid. Don't bother me again, blah, blah, blah. Or I get them to talk in for a little bit, you know. And then finally, I graduated high school when I was 18. And I got a hold of Gene Anderson that was in the Jim Crockett Promotions office. And he's like, hey, kid, we're having a tryout. Do you want to come down? It's in October. And I'm like, oh, great. So then I met Jim Lancaster. And I'm like, I'm going down in October. And he's like, well, let me know how it goes. you know. And I said, okay, no problem. So I take a 24-hour bus ride down to Charlotte, North Carolina. I walk five miles from the bus station out to the Coliseum, the old Charlotte Coliseum, and then, um, and then uh, that weekend I got my ass beat and uh, sent back home. <laughs> so, um, and then <laughs> a couple weeks. It feels week like it's or gonna so. be such
2: a good moment right there. Eh, feels it like it's gonna be such a good like. Oh, it was so great. No, I got my ass beat and they sent me home. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: When you took that first hit, was it did you have an idea in your head of how it felt like? Or was it like when when that first when you took that first, I don't know, shoulder block or or or, 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 or punch, like what was what was that like? I, I don't know. I, I again I'm I'm claiming ignorance here. <laughs> but
1: Yeah. There were no shoulder blocks, there were no uh punches. Um what they did was they made you run uh five miles in the parking lot and then when you came back in we did 500 free squats then we ran the coliseum stairs uh, in between the seats up down over up down over up down over up down over then we did 400 push-ups then if it wasn't your time to go in you put a guy on your back you ran the length of the coliseum and back then switched and back switched if it still wasn't your time you did uh jumpy jacks then when you got in there were, five, there were six guys that Ole Anderson was already training. You had to get down on all fours in the amateur position. He was teaching them how to belly out a guy, grapevine their leg and rear chin lock them, and then you had to get away from those guys. If you made it through those guys, then Ole Anderson himself would proceed to beat the shit out of you. I, <laughs> because Ole Anderson wasn't there, made the mistake And I signed the release with Gene Anderson, who wasn't as adept at physically handling himself as Oli, but you wouldn't have known it. Um, Oh, no. Gene got in. (laughs) I got down, exhausted on all fours, proceeded to try to belly me out. I fought, um, proceeded to start to fish hook my mouth, scraping my gums, tearing my mouth, um, cross-facing me. blacking my eyes uh pulling my hair bite. apparently because i got back to the room and i saw and i looked in the mirror i had bite marks all over my back um oh. tried to grab my testicles i grabbed his we were rolling <laughs> around on the mat uh he slammed my nose into the bottom rope which is really aircraft cable broke my nose um oh. i'm still holding on he rolls me over on my back has my thumb his thumb in my eye and is screaming do you want to lose your eye do you want to lose your eye kid Olga Anderson now becomes the voice of reason and uh stops me from uh, right. popping my eye out of my socket. So
3: And um, and when you get back to the room, you're like, maybe I should be a made man in the mafia. This fucking yeah. sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. Let's let's go to IHOP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow, who's yeah. hungry? <laughs> I can't even. I can't even imagine after after all the work you did. Then it's your time to get in the ring. You must be just ready to collapse, anyways. Oh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you spent you spent a lot of time uh, then working um, with Lancaster, uh, Lancaster, and we're going to skip and, some-
1: and a lot of other. You know, uh, it was regional at that time, so I got to work with a lot of different uh, regional promotions, promoters, things like that for quite, uh, several years, and then. It went national with Vince McMahon, and in about '84, yeah. it started to started to turn, started to change. So,
2: so you get you eventually work your way. You're, you're wrestling at the highest level in that promotion. You eventually kind of get your first shot in the WWF, um, and it's like I, I've heard interviews with you. I've read you talk about it, but it's it's a bit of a jobber role first. Um, but I love oh. your philosophy.
1: But it wasn't. I'm, it wasn't. I just didn't. know – I didn't take advantage of it. I did not know oh, how really? to capitalize on it. You know what I mean? It was. Sure. You know, he, he Vince is never going to give you um, a spot that he doesn't think is going to make money. He, you know, was trying to do so. I just, I, I had spent um, so much time. Yeah, I had so little experience on TV. I had tons of experience and prior to that i had a uh, ton of experience on tv but i had t- experience on tv as a, uh, a, a, a basically a heel in a very uh, sarcastic uh self a yeah. very uh condescending um chicken heel a bad guy who talked a lot and started the fight and then couldn't back it up um and uh and then this was a complete departure from that You know, it was completely shifted in wrestling. That is not like it is in any other business. They're they're not very verbal. It's a it's very much your responsibility once you walk through the curtain. It's one hundred percent on you. So, you know, I I I went from a place that, um, uh, as far as the physical ring was concerned, um, the ropes the the ring ropes that you see were steel cable. Mm-hmm. and were very very taut okay so uh-huh. um i could i could stand on the uh, center of the ring apron from the outside i could spring up i could literally turn in the air i could land on my feet on the top rope and backflip into the ring but then i go to wwf at that time and the ring was completely different the ropes were real rope they weren't nearly as taut i couldn't utilize that aspect of what I did nearly as much uh, at all, really, because sure. it was too dangerous. It was, you know, it was too unpredictable because the ropes were too loose at that time. The ring was too stiff. Nobody really did anything off off or around the top rope because the ring hurt so much. Um, because of uh, when they did Saturday Night Main Event and yeah. they had, uh, you know, Dick Ebersol thought the ring was too bouncy. So for NBC. So they made it much more stiff, didn't have as much flex. And, you know, for people to understand the ring isn't a trampoline or mattress. It hurts every time you hit it. It's the flex, the give that makes it to where you don't get hurt as much um, when you hit it. So. You know, not a lot of people did a lot of aerial, a lot of things off the top rope. So all of the things that they had hired me for, I couldn't do. Um, And as a result, um, you know, they gave me a gimmick that didn't communicate well. They promised me that they were going to do a lot of vignettes, that were going to explain it, that were going to make people, the audience understand it. And they didn't do it. And as a result, I walked out and it kind of flopped. So.
2: So, just going back to the ring for a minute, because this is just a little side on your career, but just to get it from your perspective, again, we told you before we came on, we're wrestling fans. We don't pretend to be sure. experts. i I was laughing I was laughing with my wife before cause I yeah. said, I don't think there's anything on this planet that I know as much about, but also I don't know shit about <laughs> as wrestling because yeah. I've watched it forever my whole life, but I don't know. I've never done it. I've never I don't know what it feels like. So just, okay, let's say you have a match. And it just goes as, as it should. And, and, and you're, you're working with somebody I've heard you say people you like to work with, like Steve Blackman, but you had, you had good chemistry with, uh, everything goes really well. You go back to the locker room. How do you feel oh, after when, that
1: it, So, and this is what keeps you doing it. Okay. Um, it's what we call is a night off. All right. Um, as opposed to pulling teeth because, there are nights that are like pulling teeth that are literally just as painful, and take as much work and you know as much effort. But there are those nights you get in there with the right person, with the right chemistry, and in the right audience because they're as much a factor. And you don't you know contrary to popular belief, the really good ones that. The really good matches that you believe, you believe and you remember and you yeah. those moments that are created, those aren't talked about. Those aren't scripted. Um, most of professional wrestling isn't scripted, okay? Contrary right. to popular belief. So um, when you get in the ring and you don't need to verbally communicate, where when you do, you do you just physically do the right things at the right time and the person reacts the right way at the right time, and then the same back to you and the audience, because that's what we're really doing, is that we're trying to, if you can imagine, I'm trying to physically write a book for you to watch instead of read, okay? And if I can physically write that book to where it takes you along, And catches you to where you forget that it's not a contest. You forget that your neighbor is able to watch you. And you get so involved and you get so caught up that your real emotions come out to the point to where you take some kind of physical action. You stand up, you scream, you cheer, you, you know, you want to come over the rail and shake my hand for winning or, you know, or console me for losing. Those are the nights. Those are the nights when you don't have to talk. You don't have to you don't have to communicate. You just do and and everything pace wise happens at the right time for the right reason. And the audience, you know, reacts as much as you want them to, no further. And then they go up higher when you want them to go. They go down a little bit. And sure. and then finally, they what we call in the wrestling term, they pop. They pop their nut. They yep. have an orgasm emotionally. <laughs> um, that's so hot. You know, that's uh, – <laughs> um, <laughs> That, those are the nights that keep you hooked – um, because you go back and, and nothing hurts, um, you know, you're, or you're on a, a physical and an emotional high that you can't explain. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything you could possibly ever experience. It really is. Because unlike if you play a competitive sport, let's say you play football, you play basketball, baseball, whatever, sure. right? You are not 100% in control. It's dictated completely right. by fate. Okay, yeah, you, right. you, and your talent. I get it, but but it's still at the end of the day, you you caught the right catch at the just the right time. You hit the home run at right. the last moment. You know all of that. I dictate when I hit the home run. Yeah, right. I wait until the very last second that where I can get you to cheer as strong as possible because I finally won the game winning home run. You know, yeah. um, and when That's you. That's cool feel that and you don't have to talk about it and you don't have to think about it it just it happens oh man it, it there's a there's you can't experience anything more like it because you get to be everything you get to be a professional athlete make no mistake professional wrestlers are professional athletes uh no, no um, unbelievably they are probably some of the most adept you know truly athletic professional athletes all around that you'll ever meet um yeah and then you know uh you get to be a rock star you get to be a you know an action hero you get to be a movie star you get to be you know all these things at one time with a live audience it's it's incredible (laughs) it really is
3: i you know mike just alluded to the fact that he uh watched it has watched wrestling his whole life and he's but he's never done it I, yeah. however, have taken a chop before. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> we work for an independent, we, work for, we worked for an independent baseball team in Avon, Ohio called the Lake Erie wow. Crushers. Yeah. And uh, there's a reporter there's a reporter for uh, I believe it's, uh, the Chronicle Telegram, I want to say uh, Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but y- you actually worked a show with him before. His wrestling name was Scott Hotbody Summers and you worked a show with him in 1996 okay. <laughs> i guess oh, and okay. he filled in for, sure. he, he filled in for he filled in for kevin sullivan and he wrestled virgil that <laughs> that night in the main event <laughs> anyway Did he? I, I i told him I, I told him i said listen I, I, I don't know what what can you teach me right now just a, just a, just a quick like like pop session like what can you teach me He's like you want to take a chop? i said yeah i said yeah let's do it i oh, said no. don't hold back Sure enough, I know we. I sat there in the. Uh, I sat there in the uh, press box. I, bra- I braced for it. He chopped yeah. me, and I went, oh. <laughs> and the breath just got taken right out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: That's the <laughs> dumbest thing you've ever done. Yeah, it dude, was the so... dumbest
3: thing. I've ever done. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. I guess Scott's claim was he, he jobbed for a uh, uh, Rick Flair in WCW. So and oh, that dear. that was that was. Yeah, that was his height, and then uh, he. he he um, came back. I don't know why he retired. He still does something every now and then. But yeah, he they, he wanted me. He wanted me to tell you that story. I guess that's why he wanted me to bring it up. I, I told him uh, that's awesome <laughs> that we were interviewing you tonight. But uh, <laughs> you want to awesome. take a job? Yeah. No. Yeah, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. my my, my answer for me is no. I've taken enough. I don't <laughs> like them. They hurt. I've taken Cont- none of them, and I don't want to take one. And contrary yeah. to popular belief, okay. Uh, I, I know this may come as a surprise, but wrestling isn't fake. Wrestling, no, yeah. there, there's only one lie about professional wrestling, and that is that the outcome is not predetermined, and it is. But physically, unfortunately, everything that we do is quite real, and it all hurts to some degree or another. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, you know, it's uh, it uh, sometimes as you get older, it sucks a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine this the stuff the stuff that we've watched over time, your your close companion during your biggest run in the in the wWF e whatever it was at the time. but uh, one of your one of your close companions, Mick Foley, man, what are you thinking? Like as a professional wrestler, when you see him go off the top of the hell in the cell and crash through a table, what's going through your head?
1: Well, I, I'm like, oh my God, he's died, you know. Yeah. Yeah. um uh, you know i genuinely was legitimately concerned i mean you know i it was like uh for his well-being um but i understand it because y- you're only one of two things in wrestling in, in in any other walk of life okay you get to serve whatever you want to serve like if you have a regular job Okay, no, 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 not. Trust me, when I understand, I, I get it. Okay, but when you work a regular job, and let's face it, you could say you want you hate your job as much as you want to say you hate it. And if you do, then leave because you're not a tree. You're not stuck there. Get up right. and go. You know what I mean? Just screw it. You know you can go find another job pays you exactly the same. Um, You can come into your job, your job, and you can put in your time, and you're going to get paid the same. Than if you bust your ass, it doesn't matter, because it's a job. Right. Um, With wrestling, you serve one of two purposes: you're either the thing that sells tickets, or you're one of the things that help. There is no third option. You only get out of it what you put into it and once you walk through the curtain no one vince mcmahon included does not make you a star you make you a star and that was the night and you guys still talk about it to this day That oh, when yeah. he got thrown off the cage but that wasn't what got him over it was when he got thrown off the cage he got stretched out and then he walked back and climbed back up the cage that was what got and then him went over. through it again that was but that was the moment that was the thing that yeah. made him a star. And you have to understand that, that you know, it seems crazy, but your whole career can revolve around one moment like that, you know, to where you can, you can make an impression that you guys are yeah. clearly still talking about. Everyone is clearly still talking, still talking yeah. about, you know, or you can play it safe and just put your time in and and unfortunately with the business we're in you can't just put your time in you have to take those chances you have to you know do what it is that you have to do so you know it's it's tough
3: i'm glad i'm glad mike mentioned that moment out like you know getting thrown off the cage you know uh, or you know and then getting off the stretcher and climbing back up because this is one of the main like questions i had coming into this was you have taken plenty of chair shots between ECW and, you know, and WWF. You know, you've gone through tables, you've, yeah. you know, I don't know, kendo sticks, everything. <laughs> yeah. Is there, for someone, is that is that what it's about, is creating those moments? Or do some people like, you know, are some people just that crazy and like the pain? Or do some, do some people, no. is that just how some people see that they, they, they don't want to do it, but they see that as carving a role out for themselves. Like what, 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 what well, causes someone to get into those type of moments? The hardcore. Is, is yeah. What I'm if that makes, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: you're looking for emotional gratification. You're looking for those moments and let's face it. Um, you know, he, okay. I always use this analogy, the reason we all, the reason baseball, football, and basketball in the United States have such big audiences is because we've all done it as kids. You've either played football right. in your backyard, right. you played you play baseball to some degree, you've played basketball even if it's just in your driveway. Okay, so you have a physical relationship to what's happening when you watch it, right? Right, that's why yeah. hockey has a bigger audience in Canada than it does in the United right. States. More right. people have played hockey as children than they do here. That's why soccer has bigger audiences around the world than it does here. Now, granted, uh, there is a much greater audience for the World Cup than it ever has been because there's more generations of kids that have played soccer in the United States. Right. Okay. And the three biggest sporting events on television in the world, what do you think they are?
3: Uh, the Super, Bowl. Super Bowl,
2: WrestleMania, darn it. Uh, so, what are the three biggest The number world 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 1 the
1: world, 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 Cup. world Cup of soccer. Yeah. Number 1. Number Olympics. 2 world cup of cricket oh well, yeah there you go wow
3: number
1: three the world cup of rugby oh because more people around the rest of the world have played those sports than we do in the united states right there is a direct in relationship to what they watch Before you, you, you've never stepped in a wrestling ring. So you don't know what the ring feels like. You don't know what the turnbuckles feel like. You don't know what the ropes feel like. You don't know what those moves feel like. So the misunderstanding is that even with the wrestlers, we are not trying to sell you what we do. We're trying to sell you who we are and why we do it. And in moments like where Mick Foley went off the cage, what really connected with you wasn't him just going off the cage, it was when he was being carted out on a stretcher and he fought his way off and climbed back up the cage to meet The Undertaker. And that, exactly, it was who and why, not the what. Because what you really remember is not him being thrown off the top of the cage. What you really remember is him being carted out on the stretcher, getting off the stretcher and climbing back up the cage. That, right. moment. Yeah. that wow. was the moment
2: that really made him. Yeah. So, wow. so getting back to you a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. You bounced, you bounced around a little bit. You had a stint in the well, WWF. Sure. You go to... ECW it doesn't last very long you wind up with Jim Cornette which I love because you start working with uh what was his name back then Unabomb Unibom, a- which a- a- was a- a- Kane. Kane, yeah aka yeah. a- a- Mayor Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, Mayor of not <laughs> Mayor of yeah. Knoxville, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Mayor Glenn uh uh so yeah the, the stories I'm sure some of the stories from uh from some of the places where you bounced a little bit uh of just meeting some of those guys like Kane and 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 you and, and Kane or Glenn Jacobs or whatever you want to, you know, he came in as uh what was his dentist name? Uh oh, Isaac Yankum. Uh, Isaac Yankum. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. You know, just, uh, I, I love reading those stories or looking at those stories about, uh, you know, these guys like yourself or like Kane that got huge, you know, working their way up. Uh, but it's, it's really when you hit, uh, after your second stint in the, in the WWE, you were part of the new rockers Uh, And then you hit ECW and, and, and you've said it, you weren't super happy with how things were going in the WWE, especially after the new rockers ended,
1: which was, you know, I pointed the finger at everyone else and not at myself, which really I should have pointed at me because the only person you can control is you, you know what I mean? You can, you can point your finger at any, in, in, any, any walk of life. You can point the finger at anybody else you want to point at, but only person you have control over is you.
2: So, but what's cool about it is is ultimately that experience is kind of the is what sounds like it's kind of the driving factor behind what when we all think of Al Snow, the WWE performer, the the character that we think of is Al Snow and head and right. and that kind of evolved from that second stint in the WWF uh, and then your time in in ECW when you when you went over to ECW. And it was kind of a character and I'll let you put it into your own words, but it sounds like you were kind of taking that frustrations where you didn't know who you were and, and, and what you were supposed to be. And you, you put it into a character and it just took off.
1: True. And that was exactly it. I had all that frustration. And then what I did, what really made me connect with the general audience was when we did vignettes backstage, it wasn't the wrestling. It was when, you know, um, and keep in mind, before that, it was for me. It was all about the wrestling. And then, then backstage, when I didn't wrestle, the, rest, the less wrestle, more I got connected with the audience um, because I interacted with the head. And the more I interacted with the head, which was really pouring my own frustrations out through the head, people yeah. knew it was real. They could feel it. They believed in it, and that was why it worked. So, I
2: mean, know, just, I'm, but just a legendary, just legendary. You're just walking through and you just look down and see this mannequin head and think, and, and I love that you had, you had some knowledge on kind of psycho disorders, disorders right. and you thought mm-hmm. I can make something out of this. And there you go. You dress up this, this styrofoam mannequin helmet or head. And, and, and now you're my, some of my favorite scenes, like you talked about making a name for yourself, Mick Foley going off the cage and then coming back up. I still remember before your matches when just mannequin heads are flying through the arena in ECW into the ring. And you're just it felt it on TV, it looked like a million mannequin heads coming into the ring. And and like the what so do you know at that point, like, oh my god, I've got it? Like this is my
1: I wish I did, you know, at the time, because I I in in I talk about this a lot is that. I was still not focused on the right things, you know. I was still focused on trying to be a great performer, not a great attraction, and and that's the key is that, you know, you have to realize as an entertainer, okay, um, you want to be great, a great artist, you want to be a great performer. I get that, but if no one pays to see you, it doesn't matter. So you have to, for, first and foremost, you have to figure out a way that you balance the other two things with trying to be a great attraction. That's the primary thing that you're supposed to be doing. Because if no one wants to pay to see you, then you, know, you have no value. And if you have no value, you can't make money. And if you can't make money, you know you starve. Right. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. You know, unfortunately, that's the way the world works. I mean, we operate on, right. you know, on money. So you have to have a value. You have to serve a purpose. And um, and at that time, I was still focused on not structure. Um, I was more on just trying to be entertaining, trying to be really good, trying to, all of that, as opposed to being a great attraction, as opposed, you know. And, and it's a completely different mindset really is. So,
2: yeah. So, uh, the, um, so you, you've got the head character going. Um, and and then the other thing that I like, you've, I've heard you say this before in your head, when you're kind of developing that character, you think you're going to be this kind of this crazy heel character, this bad guy that talks to his head that, you know, and, and, and it turns out. That the fans and it kind of goes to show you what you've talked about before. You have control about a lot of things, but what those fans do, uh, you never know. So the, never fans, know. the fans love you, and they did all the way through from your ECW career to your WWF career. It never, it never really felt like it was that bad guy, lunatic yeah. off the edge, talking to his head. So was that when that first started happening? Did you want it to be kind of that heel that that? Yeah bad character and were you disappointed when it wasn't going that way
1: well i I was surprised and i was confused um (laughs) because in my mind you know um here's a person that has uh paranoid schizophrenia and a transference disorder meaning that i transfer my illness onto an inanimate object that i hear voices from so meaning i think that the head's crazy not me Okay, um, <laughs> right. So, um, and that was the dynamic of the relationship was that I felt that I was always the healthy, uh, normal one, and that the head was actually crazy, um, and um, and I thought that people would, you know, would not be connected to that, would not identify with that, not um, I would not be the protagonist. The protagonist in a story whatever the story is no matter what the form is told is somebody that you connect with and you want to live vicariously right. through but for whatever reason i hit a nerve and people feeling the same frustrations and wanting to feel like they were losing their mind or whatever and you know and and and, and finding it entertaining um you know connecting to live vicariously through my insanity so um and and at the time quite honestly like if you were to ask nine out of ten people they would swear to god that i was completely out of my mind you know (laughs) and and i did it like i committed because you have to as a wrestler you can't you're not an actor so as a wrestler like i would travel on my own and then after shows and the next day um, I would take the head into restaurants into di- for dinner, you know, breakfast. Um, I'd pull up at drive throughs with them, you know, buckled in the car. <laughs> um, I'd go into the restaurant and, you know, get a table for two, set them across the table for me, order dinner for both of us. The next morning at IHOP, I'd go to get breakfast for both of us. I got asked to leave a lot of public places you know hey uh uh could you leave you're making the other customers uh you know a little bit uh, uncomfortable and i'm like hey they're making us uncomfortable okay why don't you ask them to leave all Make- right <laughs> yes me in the head i love it i would so argue with brings- them i would talk to them the whole time i'd have conversations i'd get mad because they didn't eat their food you know i'd box it up of course because they didn't want to waste the money and i would need it later but of course you know but it brings uh,
2: up it brings up something that i've always wondered With professional wrestlers, because like you said, you're not an actor per se. No, actors do a role, and then they are actors. They are, but no, 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 they're they're
1: they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. The the studios created a a, a, what we call a gimmick, uh, a character, if you want to say. Okay, for you, the public, to still be interested in Tom Cruise, you like Tom Cruise in Last Samurai. There's no guarantee that you'll go to see Tom Cruise in um, Mission Impossible. Because keep in mind, Tom Cruise's job is not to act. Tom Cruise's job is to motivate you to leave your house and go watch one of his movies. Right. Okay? That's why movie actors are held in higher esteem than television actors. All right? The average person doesn't understand this. They don't know this. They they don't get this. Okay? So, what do we do? We, the studios, back in the day, and still to this day, have created a separate gimmick. It's called the movie star or celebrity. That means we give him a persona that between movies, you still have an interest in his goings on and what he's doing so that when we advertise him for the next movie, you know who he is, he's still relevant and you want to go see him. So we create magazines, publishers, like people, uh, et cetera. It, the studio system was so bad at one time that actresses were forced to not acknowledge they got married. Actors were forced to not acknowledge they had not gotten married. Um, uh, actresses were forced right. to have abortions, etc., all because the, of the marketing of trying to keep them in the public eye and make it seem like they were attainable to drive attendance to the next movie. And that still is prevalent in Hollywood, and even people within my own industry in professional wrestling, they don't understand that concept. They don't get that. Sure, they'll they'll say, "Why do I need to continue to be, you know, what I'm on TV?" Actors don't do that. I'm like, "Yes, they do. They just do it in a different manner. They just do it as being a movie star."
3: Al, I wanted to bring up something. Um, how much? has what's your take on how much social media has affected professional wrestling nowadays? You know, like you talked about how you would go into a restaurant and order for head. Like you know, <laughs> would you would you be able to do that nowadays? Sure. Or or you know, I, I, I yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'd be I in fact I'd be even easy <laughs> to take a video. Yeah. yeah. Well they're gonna look at me as crazy and here's why. Okay. Here's why. When I go on TV, if you guys had seen me in a restaurant back then, talking to the head with your wife and your kids, you came in and you got very uncomfortable, which you would, because <laughs> trust me, I had a lot of people get very uncomfortable. Okay? I had a lot of people want to fight me, want to fight, beat me up, want to kick me out of the restaurant. You know, you don't talk to bring that around my kids. You, Oh, shut up. Yeah, get, you, get get yourself over with your wife, Karen, some other way. I, I, don't <laughs> all right. Tell her to get the manager. Fuck off. So, <laughs> right. I, I apologize if I have to beep that. So, um, you oh, you uh we're all good. But okay, so I can't tell you that I'm, it was not easy for me to do that. All right, but. If you saw me on TV, if the next week you saw me on TV, right, and I came out, the second I came out, you were flipping the channels. And as I come out through the curtain, you were flipping the channels and you go, hey, Karen, come in here. Look, there's that lunatic that was at, you know, that was at Giovanni's and he was talking to the head. That guy's crazy. Look, (laughs) you now believe in who I am. Am I yeah. not correct? Yeah. Well, now you believe in anything I do. It doesn't okay. matter what I do. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. You believe in it because you believe in me. And you think yeah. I'm legitimately insane.
2: Which I'm not going to debate that. Okay. What? But, <laughs> His head sitting there watching you somewhere right now.
1: They're hanging out. Yeah. You know? They're watching <laughs> actually 90 Day Fiance. They love that show. Um, they talk constantly to the TV, constantly <laughs> those people are She's so nice. broken when you literally are lit watching head talking to the tv <laughs> about how broken <laughs> those people on 90 day fiance are you know those people are fucked up you
2: know something's wrong yeah you, you, you know feel something's normal. wrong you yeah. feel so maybe normal. i missed maybe i missed the boat on the actors before but my question still remains yeah. you have to be dedicated you are else no. Yeah, uh, because I The Undertaker you. is the Undertaker. You. Hulk Hogan is Correct. Hulk Hogan. Correct. How hard because is that to live as a character? Like, how hard is it to live as a character all the time? People, when it's people hard. see you out on the street, they don't know your real name. They just know you're Al Snow, right? How difficult yeah, is that?
1: It's 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 not you know it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, quite honestly, and you, I sold you, I sold you Al Snow, a crazy guy that talks to a head. Now, if you encounter me and I'm anything but that, you're not happy. You know what I mean? You're disappointed. You didn't get what you were sold. You can't believe, you can't buy into the very thing. Because for a moment, let's be honest, we all know, we've known since the 1920s, contrary to popular belief, we've known since the 1920s, contrary to Tom Segura, who just recently had the massive revelation that revelation that you know wrestling's fake. Wow. Thanks uh <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Murder She Wrote. Thanks right. Angela Lynn Lansbury. <laughs> How long did it take you to put yes. those clues together? Wow, you're so much smarter than the rest of us, Tom. Whoa, congratulations, Tom. You are on such a higher intellectual plane than everyone else. Hey, Tom, hey, have you ever decided to determine whether or not magic was fake? Hey, Tom, have you ever decided to do an expose on whether movies are a documentary or if they're just completely fake? I mean, come on, Tom. Let's expose everything else, Tom, because you're so much more smarter than every other person on the planet. <laughs> what a jack off. I mean, for Christ's sake, Tom Segura. Jesus <laughs> Christ.
3: I love yeah, it. How
1: long did it take you to put the clues together, Tom? My family, who are none of them men's candidates, and I love them dearly. A 1976, Tom Segura, my family, when I proclaimed when I was 12 years old I want to be a professional wrestler, every one of them said, yeah, I'm good. My wife is freaking out because I'm going on a rant. <laughs> she, goes, she opened the door. She goes, are you okay? <laughs> no, we're not going to hurt him. Every one of, every one of my family, do you know what every one of my family said? Why do you want to do that? It's fake. But you know what? You, You're Tom right. Segura, you've just uncovered the Philosopher's Stone. You've just uncovered the National Treasure. You have gotten Solomon's Minds. God, you, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. You are the Nick Cage. You're the national Nick Cage treasure. of, and you, you are really Nick are Cage. the Nick Cage of comedy, Tom Segura. <laughs>
3: All of a sudden, I have this declaration of independence in my house. This is oh, weird.
1: Wow. <laughs> Where did that come from? How did I determine <laughs> that? I'm so much smarter than the rest of you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. off Tom Segura. Gee,
2: well, that's that's <laughs> that's what I said. We said that a couple weeks ago. We said that about, about wrestling. We were talking about WrestleMania. We were talking about no people at WrestleMania. We were having a discussion on the podcast. And, and I said, I know some people are going to be like, oh, that's fake. Or and that's why I'm like, okay, Game of Thrones <laughs> is fake. I I like Game of Thrones. There's no dragons flying
1: around. Thanks, thanks Karen. You just ran out into the neighborhood and proclaimed something (laughs) that we all all, already know. I mean, I know that Spider-Man is not a documentary about a teen that shoots jizz out of his wrist and sticks (laughs) to the wall.
2: I'm going to have to research that.
1: I know it without you. You know why I spent the money was so I could forget about people like you, Tom Segura. So I could be entertained for the two oh, hours yes. while I'm sitting in a the darkened theater and I don't have to look at your ugly face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's 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 it. That's it right there. All right, so we're okay. I, I don't even know how to come off of that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, know. I apologize. I just no, it was great.
3: I, talk about tna uh al you know okay. you were a road agent in, in tna first off what is first off what is a road agent and second tna had it seemed like tna was having some success uh for uh, you know had quite a run there for a little while what was working so well and then why did it kind of i, I mean i don't want to say fall off because impact wrestling still exists
4: yeah but like it what, did, what i don't
3: know maybe yeah. a, a downturn or i who's why Here's... yeah but, what, But yeah, what, what's a road what? agent and why did, why did it work so well?
1: Okay, as the road agent or a producer, um, what I would do is I would come to you and I would communicate what we call within both, both boxing and wrestling, what's the business of this match? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, which really there are only three pieces of business, which are to either um, have the protagonist where we get them to where you identify with them, uh, in wrestling speak, that is to get the baby face over, um, which means to where you live vicariously through them, uh, or the heel to get heat, heat to want, a need, a desire, um, or we're trying to make you, which means to make the audience believe in you, um, or we're trying to continue a story, the next chapter in a story within the the match. Uh, to try to help them lay that mat out so that it would conduct the very business we were trying to do. Does that make sense? As a producer. Yeah, as a road agent, um, as a road producer, you do the live events and then you would basically supervise the whole show. You would lay out the show, um, what matches went on when, why they went on when, because you're trying to build the show to where it escalates to a finale um to where you get the emotionally the crowd to pop um have the highest point emotionally as they walk out the door that's what drives business when you come back um and then you would also supervise every other activity with the show that on the road the live event and you would produce each match um and uh and what was the rest? I'm sorry, I forgot what was the rest of the question. So
3: yeah, I was just I was wondering what uh, TNA Oh, the TNA. a oh, good yeah. run there.
1: For- Here's why, because TNA has exper- experienced the very same thing that AEW does right now, and that is there is an a upswell, okay, of of the wrestling fan. There are two fans bases. There's the wrestling fan okay, that is in the know, goes on the websites, reads all the insider information, knows a lot of the guys that aren't on TV, that kind of, that group of people, okay? And then there is the general fan. I like to call them Mr. and Mrs. Walmart because they're the largest percentage of the population all over the earth, okay? Right. They don't go on wrestling websites. They don't go... The only thing they do is they turn the channel and they happen to see wrestling and they see some guy that they like or a girl or, you know, or they see something happening and they get interested and they start to get hooked and then they start watching. Those are two, and and the general fan is a much large, larger percentage of the population than the wrestling fan. Right. Right. It's no different than if you produce a comic book movie. If you produce a comic book movie, You have to produce a comic book movie that appeals to the comic book fan that knows the backstory, knows the origin, knows everything about the character. They've read comic books, but there's an even greater percentage of the audience that never has. And you've got to produce that movie in a way that appeals to both groups. Unfortunately, in wrestling... Wrestling has gotten to the point where the people within inside it are within the wrestling bubble and they only pay attention to the wrestling fan. So TNA had the benefit when they first started out because as human beings, we are negative genetically because it's a natural instinctive survival way of being. That's why everybody gets complains right. about you know social media. Um, But if they would stop putting their own personal shit on social media, they would stop complaining because they wouldn't have people complaining about the very personal stuff that they didn't want anybody to have attention to, but they put it out there for them to have the attention to. So lunacy, but you know, go figure. Um, (laughs) So TNA had the benefit of being the new kid on the block And the one thing we love to do is back the underdog. So when TNA came out initially, it had all of that wrestling audience that was behind the underdog. Something different, something new, something unique than WWE. That's why WCW thrived at one point against WWE. Because it had become stale. TNA did the same thing. Then, of course, what had happened was the wrestlers, the performers, were trying to market themselves to just that wrestling audience. The problem with that is when they tried to market themselves just to the wrestling audience, they market just what they did. If you want to right. sell tickets to the general audience, whether it be wrestling, boxing, MMA, basketball football hockey it doesn't matter you don't sell what they do you sell who the players are and to watch that sh- that particular game or match or show in wrestling that's all we've ever sold is who and why and the reason that the nba the nfl and the and and Major League Baseball, et cetera, is because they have adopted the same policy of selling who and why, not what. Right. Okay? Even though you as an audience can identify more with football, baseball, basketball than you ever could with wrestling. Same with MMA and same with boxing. You always sell the who and the why. The TNA, the performers, and the people within it started selling the what then it started to drop off. Got it. It never got connected to the general audience. Move forward. We have the same situation with AEW. AEW is a, is very much in the same place. It's the new kid on the block. It has a lot of support. They want to see WWE toppled. They, because it's, it's stale, you know, it's been around. They now are back behind the wrestling audience is back behind AEW, but they're selling what they're doing, not the who and the why. And to my point, when you were a wrestling fan, you really enjoyed it. If I said beer drinking, ass kicking redneck, who flipped off his boss, you know, I'm talking about Steve Austin. If I say yeah, yeah. undead guy, you know, I'm talking about Undertaker. You know what I mean? I could go down the list of guys that you could turn to your friends and family and go, hey, you've got to watch this show. There's this guy who's A, B, C, D, E. And that's the most important factor. But the wrestling programs themselves get caught in that wrestling bubble and try to market to just the wrestling fan and not to you. Because if they were to market to you, you'd be able to describe to me anyone that's on either one of those rosters and you can't
2: right now. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Cause you can feel them doing that. Like you could feel yeah. TNA doing that. You can feel AEW marketing that they are what they are instead of the who that's doing it. And, and you don't really think about it as the consumer of it so much. Although you think, yeah, I really, really liked this when it first came out and I'm like, eh, eh
3: about well, it. And then, yeah. So, just, hey, just, and, hey, we're not WWE.
1: Right, right, and that's what they're trying to do. Is like we're not WWE; we're something different. And it's like okay, but even WWE is still marketing today what they do more and more than who and what and who and why. And you know that was what they were always so good at, and that was why back in the Attitude Era, that's why we we succeeded so well is because everyone up and down the show. Think about it; everyone up and down the show. If you yes. were a fan back during that time, the late 90s to early 2000s, there wasn't a person on that show that you couldn't say, hey, there's this person and they're A, B, C, D. Right. And definitively describe Absolutely. who they were. You know what I mean? But now today, yeah. both with WWE, AE, AEW, TNA, ROH, you know, you can't, you can't describe the performers because the performers and the people backstage are all trying to sell you what they do, not who and why they do it.
2: So it's a good transition because, um, you know, back in your last stint, your final stint with the WWE, uh, your most successful stint, you started getting into the training a little bit and and you've been in the training and, uh, and we want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing now because I think it's awesome. I think you, uh, Uh, you know, everybody knows WWE, everybody knows WCW and ECW and, and, and the big TV promotions nationwide. OVW is one of the big promotions that just isn't the nationwide TV promotions. OVW is famous for a long time, being a feeder league in basically into the WWF. You bought it back in 2018. You worked in OVW for a little bit as a trainer for for a while Yeah, and then you bought it. So Talk to us about what led up to that. What what that decision was like for you, and and kind of uh, I don't know your excitement level when you realized, oh, I'm going to be an owner of OVW and be able to do um, some really cool things with it. You've you've talked about it as not just a wrestling promotion, but kind of like a trade school where you guys are training. You're training the the voices, the play by play, the the every aspect of wrestling. You're training there, and you're putting on a weekly TV show, right?
1: Yeah, we, um, um, June of 2018, um, at that time, um, prior to that, uh, they were a developmental program for WWE. Um, they were like a farm team. So WWE sent me down to Louisville, Kentucky to be the head trainer. I became kind of the head writer producer over time, along with being the head trainer, um, with OVW. And then WWE separated their uh, relationship. I left uh, OVW and then I got affiliated with TNA and then um, created the developmental program for TNA and um, got them in a relationship because they were just down the road in Nashville from Louisville um, and um, started again becoming the top, the trainer and the um, writer and producer of, of OVW. And then you know, separated again because TNA didn't have the finances to continue with a developmental program, um, and had moved, uh, away from Louisville to move back. And then just as I moved back, um, I had, uh, went to the, in Kentucky, we have a, an athletic commission. We have a, the boxing wrestling sure. uh, and MMA commission and um a young man in oklahoma um earlier that year had uh um poorly trained uh on a show uh in oklahoma which is a a commissioned state uh went on a show performed took a, a regular just typical wrestling move hit the back of his head had edema had brain swelling Um, was in a coma for four days and they had to pull the plug and, you know, he died. And, um, you know, uh, during that time, I was wrestling a lot independently on a lot of these independent shows and I would go in the locker room and, you know, look, I'm 56, you know, and I'm the best guy that's in the best shape and the best condition in the locker room. I mean, that's, it's absurd. So I'd see a lot of guys that were, um, and not just aesthetically and, and aesthetics are important, it's a very cosmetic business because you guys when you show up you want to believe vi- visually when you look. believe the guy looks like he could make his living in a competitively you know combat situation you know these guys one visually did not look the part two it was worse they physically were nowhere in any kind of physical shape you know and so the truth is that when we go in the ring, the the, the real hard truth is the reality is, is that we, we face a certain percentage of uh, possibility that we could have a life altering injury or, or die sure. every time we step sure. in that ring. I mean, literally every time we step in the ring, um, you know. And um, uh, so now you have people that are in no athletic condition whatsoever. And eight, nine minutes into the match, they're trying to pull off that, cool thing that they saw on raw or smackdown that week and you know they're putting themselves and the other person in physical risk and you know my my beautiful wife is a massage therapist and in order to be a massage therapist in anywhere in the state in anywhere in the union in the in 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 the united states you have to go to a state accredited school you have to be taught by a state accredited teacher you have to complete a number of state accredited hours of training you have to complete a number of hours of residency, and then you have to agree to have a certain number of continuing education hours each year, and then you have to take a test to maintain to get a license. But as a professional wrestler in any state in the union, you all you have to do with a commission state is just pay your money, take a physical, and ta-da, you're a wrestler. Jeez. That's it. Wow. And I I found that insulting, and I found it absurd. So um, it's, things just happened the way they did. Um, Danny Davis was ready to retire. Um, he was interested in selling OVW, um, which has a very, very long history. Um, yeah. You know, it's been around for 30 years. Um, right. We, we're, we have 11, oh, nearly, nearly 1,100 continuous episodes of television right now. Wow. Um, a broadcast broadcast television not youtube not the internet actual broadcast television we have nearly 1100 episodes the only other company Jeez. that's even close is raw and smackdown we literally had our 1000th episode one week before smackdown did um wow so you know uh we we uh i bought it and um uh, with that history and that background, but then I wanted to, and it took a year, took a little more than a year to finally, um, we were, uh, accredited by the state office, Kentucky, Kentucky state office of proprietary education. They oversee, uh, colleges and trade schools. Um, we were actually accredited as the only one in the world we're the only one in the world that's accredited as an actual trade school for professional wrestling, sports, entertainment, and broadcasting. So we have a two-year program. So That is awesome. Um, it's my hope that because it's not a matter of when, it's, a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when uh, these young men and women's careers will end in the ring. So I'm trying to give these people, these young people, additional skills so that they can still pursue some kind of a career within the industry or within entertainment in general. So we teach them lighting, sound, camera operation, um, creative writing, um, television formatting, uh, production, producing, um, uh, live event management, financial management, business management, you know, so that within two years, one, not only will he be a better performer in the ring because they will have an understanding of like say what a cameraman is truly looking for because they've been a cameraman, but two, when their career ends, they can have their own promotion or their own business or they can continue to work for WWE backstage as a television producer or as a you know director or as a writer or any number of other things that because they've learned those skills prior. I'm um, awesome. going in. So.
3: Wow, that's great, Al. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we appreciate you taking so much time with us. Oh, thank man. you. Um, you know, I, I have sure. one last question before we wrap. What's one of your best road stories that you're willing to tell
1: Well, most of, my, most of my road stories are rather lengthy because I have to give a certain amount of detail. I will <laughs> give you one and I'll give you just the highlights which if you want to read the whole story you can go to get my book which is self help um which I I wanted to call um uh how to take shit and make shoe polish and other life lessons I've learned from wrestling but they wanted to just call it self help so oh, um no. oh no you can go on amazon.com <laughs> and get this uh one of the stories within the book is um back in the, um there was a promoter and he would run just all midget wrestling shows and he would oh, no. book me to be the, the ring announcer, but also do like do a personal appearance, you know, where, you Hey, you get to meet an autograph from Mal Snow. So prior to the show, I would do the meet and greet and then I would, you know, go out and I'd do the ring announcing and I would do that every night. And then flew in. It was about three hour from, um, from where i flew in out to where the show was and i had to travel back not with a promoter but with a van of six little people okay and just let me explain (laughs) that (laughs) little people and alcohol don't mix one oh no two um, oh no within that three-hour period I had one of them that was on blocks of wood so he could reach the pedals so he could drive the van. Um, I had a a fight between the two of them. We stopped at an IHOP. Um, We had a fight in the IHOP. We had me nearly knocking one of them out in the IHOP. We got banned from the IHOP. um, Got one of them naked and then... Um, he almost (laughs) fell out the back of the van and almost died on the highway. And then everybody was sober and we made the rest of the trip. So, uh, so pretty standard night at IHOP is what you're saying. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If I were to tell the whole story, it makes sense because, and I have justifications for my decisions that I made based on the actions of other little people that i was trying to mitigate as the night went on but then you realize as you're rolling into the ihop it's about three in the 2 30 in the morning so what's the ihop full of drunk regular people yes yes what am i walking in with drunk six little people and oh, one no. of them <laughs> is still on the blocks of wood that are strapped to his feet to reach the gas pump. oh no yeah and then two of them start to fight in the parking lot while people are plastered against the window to watch it. And then I still sally forth and we go in and then it just goes tits up from there. And then I, end up, I'm at one point I'm like, I'm going to knock this little guy out. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to, I have to knock him out. Cause if I don't knock him out, he's probably going to kick my ass. So I am, but I'm not going to look good doing it when I'm not like, all this is going through my head as I'm pulling my fist back. Like, I'm. I have to knock him out. Like, but I'm not going to gain points for knocking him out. But I have to knock him out. And like, and then just as I do it, the other one came and football tackled him and into the, another table, and it just was pandemonium. Oh the manager God. came out screaming that we were banned from IHOP, and yeah, that was not good. So,
2: well, it's good now. It was. It's a good way for us to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> yeah. uh, Al Snow, uh I feel like. You gave us so much time, and it was so generous of you. I feel like we barely touched the iceberg. I'm glad we were able to talk about the things we were. I'm glad we were able to hit on OVW. Congratulations on everything you've got going on down there.
1: We're on the YTA network. We're in 44 million homes nationwide now. We just started in March prior to the – just right before the pandemic started. So if you guys want to catch it, it'll be on tonight, Friday night at midnight Eastern time uh, on the YTA network. We are still on locally on the WBNA network and we're um, uh, on YouTube as well. Um, and we produce a secondary show called OVW Overdrive as well. If you want to watch
2: that, that's a completely separate show. So, That's awesome. So watch that. The, uh, what was it? YTW Network? YTA Network. And if Y-T-A you want a more
1: information, you can go to ovwrestling.com. Or if you want information on the school, you can go to aswa.live. If you want to follow me, you can go to the real Al Snow. Why the real Al Snow? Because there were some fakes, and I literally would send them a message going, "Come on, guys, aim the bar higher." If you're going to fake being a celebrity, yeah, yeah I would definitely not want to <laughs> be me. I'd want to be anybody it's but Al me. Snow. Yeah, <laughs> I'd want to be Brad Pitt, George Clooney. You know what I mean? With your nope, ch- Al Snow. Your- you're picking the Al snow. That's low hanging fruit. Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> Listen, I well, can't, I'm not yeah, Al snow and I can't get laid. What are you going to do with it? You're going to use it. going to put yourself <laughs> You're gonna have
2: it. Come on. <laughs> well, tune in, tune into OVW, uh, go out and get Al snow's book. Again, it's called self-help. You can get that on Amazon. So check that out. And, uh, and again, Al, uh, and, and, an absolute lez- legend in the wrestling business. And, uh, we, we cannot thank you enough for your time here tonight on the Garage Beers podcast. So uh, maybe we'll talk again down the line, but uh, best of luck with that going on.
1: Thank you very much, guys. Always a Buckeye. You know, hey, we're, we're much more than corn in Ohio, okay? We're not, not like Indiana. We have more hey. U.S. presidents from the state of Ohio, and we have That's the first right. man in space, John Glenn, and we have the first man on the moon, uh, Neil Armstrong. So you know what? Screw Indiana and Michigan. And everywhere else, so
2: except for Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky's cool. Kentucky's cool because less. I live here now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, Al. Have a great night, and uh, again, guys. we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Uh, and thank you once again to Al Snow, legend. Al Snow, uh, man, what a good time that was. Uh, from from just his growing up in Ohio, you know, love his Ohio dedication uh love love his philosophy on ohio sports uh uh i have a feeling that maybe tom segura is going to hear some of this at some point because that rant that he went on was phenomenal and all the way down to that last story so what a what an awesome time how lucky we feel uh to have had al snow on the podcast with us uh again check out what's going on at ovw pick up his book uh from amazon uh self uh, yeah, check out OVW again. That's a that's a legendary, you know, if you know anything about wrestling, a lot of the biggest, most famous wrestlers came through OVW and, and he owns it now and really has a cool story behind it, turning it into something cool. So check that out. Uh, and yeah, man, how much fun was that, guys?
3: Oh, God, it was incredible, man. I, I, you know, so much insight. You know, it, it wasn't even you know we we talked about being wrestling fans and like wrestling experts but you know I, I feel like he just would, would talk to us about things that like the normal wrestling fan wouldn't understand but they think they know about you know what I mean like gave us some just great insight to, as to how to build a character how to you know you, you know be a heel how to go after you, you know your dream of wrestling. It, it was just, it was amazing, and not to mention getting kicked out of IHOP. That was
2: <laughs> well, and it was cool. It, it was you legitimately. Think? You know, we've had so much fun talking to to uh, all of our guests so far, uh, but this was the legitimately the first one where I was like, "Man, there's so much about this that I," you know, "I've I've watched wrestling. It was so big when I was growing up in the '80s, and they would have those like highlight shows on with Mean Gene and Lord Alfred Hayes and uh and gorilla monsoon and we'd watch those on saturday mornings and oh yeah you know i've been watching it forever saturday night main event and and all that i used to have I used to have wrestlemania 2 on vhs was the only wrestlemania i ever owned was wrestlemania 2 on vhs tape Uh, uh so i've grown up just watching it we go when it's when it's downtown it's one of the most fun things to do down there when they come in and you get a couple garage beers in and you go down there and you just have a great time. But, but I'm sitting there going like, like I said to him, there's, I know a lot about this and there is so much that I don't know and don't understand and don't even want to pretend to understand. So he was so gracious to us to, you know, he didn't expect us to be experts. He just, he, he was, he was fun. He told awesome stories. And, uh, and you can see pretty easily why, you know, he was able to shift and pivot and, and really become, uh, you know, when you say El Snow, if you know anything about wrestling, you know exactly who El Snow is and he had an awesome career. So it was so cool.
3: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. When I um when I asked him about the social media aspect of wrestling and how you know it in, in wrestling nowadays, things get spoiled because of social media, because there's all these insiders now that get, you know, all these reports for they come out it, like it almost takes a little bit of a surprise element out of wrestling now but you know it, it, and that that's why i asked that is because like back when we were kids mike growing up these guys yeah. were larger than life you had yeah. no idea whether it was real or fake like you thought these guys were you know the as they portrayed in the ring you thought that's exactly who these guys were yeah so it's like I think social media has taken some of the mystique out of it, but you know the way Al answered that question, you know it, it's it's not if they, if that's who they portray themselves to be outside of the ring, yeah, they sold you on it.
2: Yeah, well I'm forever gonna be upset that I never like sat down in a diner or like I don't know why I think of friendlies like when friendlies was back a thing, uh, and and saw him sitting there in a booth with head having a conversation, buying two meals. It's just him and a mannequin head. Uh, but, but anyways, yeah. Uh, uh, again, thank you so much. Goes out to Al Snow. Uh, and again, check out his stuff, the book self-help on Amazon and OVW right now. Uh, a lot of great things he's got going on, but thank you so much to him for joining us. Um, and that's going to do it. I mean, I, I don't know how we can expect any more to come out of this week's podcast. That was amazing. So, uh, anything else you guys have to add here tonight?
3: No, not at all. That was just, that was great. I can't wait for next week.
2: Awesome. Well, yeah. Tune in again next week. Uh, remember, please, uh, go ahead and like us, uh, on, on Facebook, uh, go ahead and and follow us on Twitter at, uh, the garage beers. Um, and we've got an Instagram account. So like us, we're on Apple, we're on uh, Spotify and iHeart. give us a subscribe, give us a rating if you wouldn't mind. And, uh, and if you're enjoying this and you're having fun with us, please share us with your friends. Um, and, uh, and we're going to keep doing this. So again, we look forward to coming back next week, but thank you so much for listening. So from Chad and Joey, I'm Michael Keefe saying cheers, everybody.